Hey everyone, it is Steven Schleicher and um, a little bit of mea culpa here. This it, there is a huge audio error in the first half of this um, this show. Uh, Zach's track was not recorded the correct way, and so he's being picked up by my microphone, and so it, it doesn't sound great. But stick with it for a half hour. We didn't really want to go back and record re-record anything because I think it would have ruin some of the spontaneity and mm. we already knew what our talking points were and it would have been very hard to re um, recreate that. Right. So apologies for me. This is totally my fault. My total screw up on this. Uh, but please stick around and enjoy our discussion of Captain America Civil War. Zach, um, spoiler alert on this. Oh, big spoilers. Big, big, large, giant spoilers. And that's about as good as Zach's going to sound for about the next 30 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. Very special episode talking about Captain America Civil War. Joining me for the show today, all the way up northwest, farther northwest than our part of the country. All the way far northwest of the country, Rodrigo Lopez. I'm in the northwest. Woo! And to the southeast of me. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. The north won the Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, just in case you're yeah. wondering. Um, yeah, so we're talking about Captain America Civil War. The I feel like this is like the real kickoff to the summer movie. You think? When the, when the first uh, big Marvel movie drops, I feel like they push them early enough that it's like, this is... Mm, okay. You not, you not think so? Or you think it... Um, yeah, sure, I, I guess. I mean, it's... Um, it's, uh, what is it, April? Late May? Early May when this comes out? Yeah, so that's about right for Marvel releasing movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're a little behind on this because of the Yeah, stupid schedules. That's what happens when you have kids. Yeah. So we all watched it at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven, you watched it. I decided I decided I would take the risk and see it in a spectacular real 3D. Oh. Just because uh. I figured that you guys would see the traditional 2D. And I just was like, well, let me just give this a chance yeah. and see how it is. I watched it in 2D. Did you as well, Rodrigo? Uh, yeah, 2D. Did you ever consider watching it in 3D? Because I had, like, we could either watch it at 7 in 3D or 8 in yeah. 3D. And I was like, I honestly don't care. I'll let it just went up the side. And mm-hmm. 2D. Did mm-hmm. you ever think about going 3D? Not really. Um, the schedule wasn't particularly conducive, and also the price point wasn't great either. It was like, oh, sure. I don't know, yeah. like five additional dollars at least. Here they kept Maybe the price more. the same. I still paid the 625 for it. And I bought online, so maybe that was the reason. But there was a surcharge. Yeah, like, there was a surcharge for buying online or something, so it probably offset the cost. Uh, yeah, that's what yeah, it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So this is picking up after Ant Man, am I right? Um, I mean, it's it's the next movie after Ant Man, and considering that Ant Man is in here, it kind of has to come after right. that. As far as the the main story elements, it really ties more into Age of Ultron. Uh, from last summer uh, with the fallout from that, but only because um, uh, Scott Summers or no, it's not Scott Summers. What's his uh, name? Uh, Scott Scott Lang. Uh, Scott Lang shows up as Ant-Man that this falls obviously after the Ant-Man movie. You know, and when this show did Ant-Man, I wasn't on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I still have that. What? Yeah. And I was telling my friend that I watched it with like he's always going to bring it to me on Blu-ray. This weekend, because he's everyone. I mean, yeah, it's pretty good. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy yeah, it. Was his a lot of fun. In mm-hmm. this movie. Mm-hmm. So now I'm finally actually gonna watch it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. It's a good movie. I really like it a lot. It's my of my top five Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Wow. Uh, Ant Man is my number four. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't realize it was that good. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, all right. Um, so Civil War touted as the the gods essentially of <laughs> Iron Man and Captain America choosing sides and having a big throwdown in the alley. Um, it's a little bit more complicated than that, wasn't it, Rodrigo? Yeah. Um, interestingly, the uh, the movie kind of went with a, like, are the Avengers going to um, tie themselves to the UN, I think, basically? Yeah, basically, yeah. Um or are they going to continue to operate as essentially free agents without any uh, um, 
oversight. So that's that's kind of what the movie comes down to, as opposed to you know what the comics were going for, which is kind of that like superhero registration stuff. Mm-hmm. And it kind of seems. Or am I a little bit off? What do you, what do you mean? But the Winter Soldier was all, like, we're tracking the mutants and, like... Well, uh, that was Hydra's plan, is that they wanted to oh, right. keep track of everyone and be able to kill anyone at the at the moment. And this was S.H.I.E.L.D.'s oversight, but that was secretly being controlled by Hydra. Right. And they wanted to kind of keep track of everyone and what was going on. Um, but the main thing was this fact that, oh, well, the government wants to track all these people. Oh, wait, it's not the government. And that's where you start to see, and then, of course, the reveal that Bucky is still alive in that movie, where you start to see Captain America, who's always been, you know, stand up for the right, do what your country tells you to do, serve, be honest. That's where he starts to see the government become corrupt. And so what many people may look at a, a civil war and say, well, you'd think that Captain America would be on the sign of signing the accord because he wants to do what his country wants him to do. But, you know, he's been disillusioned for basically two movies now. We saw it continue more in Ultron about uh, how the government can be corrupt. And his big argument here is, well, you know, if we sign and we have to do what a large organization tells us to do, we're at the whim of whoever is in control of that organization. And they're going to be their politics are going to influence where we get involved and what we do. And what if their politics actually are harmful or what if there are things that we should be doing that we can't do because they won't allow us to do that. And so, you know, that's kind of a big reversal over the course of the first Captain America movie to this one of him kind of his view on the government and how he as a hero and other heroes should act. Right. And and then Iron Man falls on the side of mm -hmm. he has seen and been personally confronted with the people and the civilians who have died through their actions of, you know, saving the world or beating the bad right. guy. And he is put uh, face-to-face with those losses, mm -hmm. um, which don't necessarily get pointed out while they're having these giant uh, big fights in, in cities. That is, that is one thing that does kind of carry over from the comic book series is that um, in the comic book, of course, there's a school that gets blown up. All these kids dies. And one of the mothers comes to Tony Stark and is basically like, this is all your fault. If you guys would not be doing this stuff, none of this would have happened in the movie. They use the uh, State Department whose uh, son, uh, her son was over there um, in between high school and college doing his year trip. And he was in uh, Scovenia or wherever where the. Whole Sarkovia. country, Sarkovia, where the whole country got dumped on everybody. So uh, that is kind of a shock for Tony Stark and starts him on this reversal of what we saw in the first Iron Man movie, where he was basically like, no, I will not turn my weapon over to the government to do whatever they want with it, because that's going to lead into more people being killed. And now he's kind of come around over all of the movies that he's been involved in to say, you know what, my weapons are pretty bad Maybe I shouldn't be in control and uh, doing things. Maybe I should let other people tell me what I should do. So there's a huge flip around, which is, I mean, if you look at it over the course of the 11 movies, you can kind of see it go through those changes. But when you think about what does Captain America stand for, what does Tony Stark st uh, stand for or Tony Stank stand for, yeah. um, it, it just feels like a weird flip flop of their positions. But it's really not in the evolution of those characters. But people who may have only seen the Avengers movies are going to come in and go, maybe this is a bit confusing in that sense. I don't know. Well, did you think that Rodrigo or not? If someone were just, just saw the Avengers movies. I definitely thought going in that, you know, from seeing the trailers, it really seemed to me that the, uh, comic book, Captain America and Iron Man, it made sense, the positions that they took, but the movies, Captain America and Iron Man uh, were actually, actually should have been reversed. Um, after watching the movie, I, I got it. I mean, I, they, they spent a lot of time essentially beating Tony Stark up emotionally mm -hmm. to the point where, and, and we've seen it, we have seen it over the movies, you know, Tony Stark was essentially had PTSD after mm -hmm. New York. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, he's basically, uh, unlike a lot of superheroes, not just in the Marvel universe, but other stuff, he's kind of worse for wear. Right. Um, after his adventures as Iron Man. So, you know, as someone who's older, 
uh, is like e- even uh, statistically, you know, people become more conservative as they become older. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes a lot of sense that Iron Man is just like, you know what? Uh, we are kind of dangerous and I'm tired of making these decisions and then having the having people yell at me yeah. when their people die. It's it's interesting. Um, a lot of people complain about the death count that was in Man of Steel. Yeah. Have you seen online someone is uh, they've calculated up how many people Tony Stark has killed oh, since yeah. he became Iron Man? And it's like seventy five thousand people that he is directly responsible for their deaths. It is interesting that that seems to have become a large theme in mm-hmm. almost all superhero movies. Hinging from Man of Steel, like everyone's addressed it. Yeah. Since then, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of people do die. Right. And then, and, and, you know, they tried to address that in the Age of Ultron where they're like, we've got to get these people off this floating uh, landmass. Oh, but right, then they right. then they're like, uh, you know, that floating landmass fell and killed all the people that were underneath, which which is the setup for uh, in the comic books, Baron Zemo, but only listed as Zemo here, his revenge plot, uh, because he was there. He was outside of the city limits with his family when the Ultron attack went down. They decided not to evacuate because it's like we're miles from the city. Nothing's going to happen to us. And then the continent, you know, the whole country just <laughs> d- dropped on on his family's head and killed them. So he does not want to, you know, his goal is not to um, destroy the world or take over the world, which is an interesting uh, take for a villain. But his is to destroy the Avengers and have them do it to themselves uh, as kind of a retaliation for all the killings that they've done. And more importantly, to his family that he's lost. So it's it's kind of a, a, a tragic villain, um, maybe not one that's well thought out overall in the movie, but the overall concept of the villain, I think, works well. Yeah, it was definitely a slow burn to kind of get there. I mean, this movie is, what, two and a half, two and a half hours? Yeah. So everything um, kind of plays out slowly where you get to be... Well, you, at first you have to start off with the traditional, now apparently, Captain America opening where mm-hmm. it's out, and they have to like save someone or Captain America fights some low-level company mm-hmm. to get everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I know who that is. Right. And that's how every... Mm-hmm. Well, and the fact with Crossbones, though, is he's a carryover from Winter Soldier. And also that character, I believe, was a carryover. No, not from the first uh, Captain America movie, but he's appeared in two other movies yeah. as, you know, like one point he was. I think he was in maybe the Avengers or something. He was uh, a backup for Captain America. And then in Winter Soldier, he basically is like, well, they're telling me I have to take you down, Cap. And so he, he takes Captain tries to right. take Captain America down and then of course he turns into Crossbones this uh, horribly scarred person yeah I, just, I was just sitting there watching the opening scene like this is what they did in Winter Soldiers like they got all sure. these people and they mm-hmm. went on this boat and they rumbled and tumbled with mm-hmm. UFC fighter man and then <laughs> uh, you know they moved on with the story right which, which makes sense because after that fight this is the this is the movie going is like okay we're gonna open with some action and then we're gonna talk for yeah. the next hour yeah, uh, before we get to some more action. In, in the process, um, for these uh, accords, the, uh, the king of um, Wakanda. Wakanda is there along with his son T'Challa and, nope, um, T'Challa. What's his, T'Challa and um, uh, somebody bombs the UN building mm-hmm. and kills the king. And everyone suspects that it is Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, because somehow this image has suddenly must appeared on everyone's radar that this is the guy that did it, which begins this search for Bucky. Cap uh, doesn't want to has not agreed to sign the accords, and that causes this conflict because he, according to the accords, cannot go after the Winter Soldier without the approval of the Oversight Committee, and Iron Man only wants to go after Bucky because this is a criminal and he must be brought down. And so there's this real kind of uh, this is where the main conflict arises between the two of, well, I'm going to go help my friend because we're not being told the whole story. And the other one is, no, we're being told to bring this guy down and kill him if we have to. And so that that's where they start to butt their heads a lot. Yeah, and that's and that's, and that's when the action can kind of pick up a little well, bit. Oh, yeah. Then we get on like uh, chase, chase, chase scene. Get, oh, well, that's when Black Panther first mm-hmm. shows mm-hmm. up. And uh, um, which was a big deal for this film. And if I mean, I guess if I had to guess, I guess I should have, um, you know, Age of Ultron introduced a lot of characters, right? Pretty well. I 
guess I never really thought that Black Panther would be featured as much in this as oh, he was, but he was pretty prevalent. Originally, before... When they made the announcement that Black Panther was going to be a, a, a Marvel movie and appear in Civil War, they kind of made a big deal. And this was like two years ago, I want to say they made a big deal that he was very central to this to this story. And he is. And the fact that he's avenging his father, he's trying to bring this guy down. He suddenly sees Steve Rogers and his compatriots suddenly as the enemy. And his story is also very interesting as well, because by the end, he's also made a flip flop on uh, his position. Initially, it is, I must kill the person that has killed my father. I must avenge. I must do this. Here is the person that's evil. And then by the end, after he finds out why Zemo has done everything, he basically is like, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm also not going to let you kill yourself. So it's it, there's an interesting theme kind of running, I think, through this movie about choice and how everybody has a choice to make. And some people's choices may be a reverse of what we normally think they may be. And some people may actually see a drastic change throughout the course of the movie in the case of black Panther as to their position in this whole thing. Um, I find it interesting though, that the Russo brothers did not in this movie pick a side. They allowed both Iron Man and Captain America to make their arguments and let the audience make a choice. Oh, I completely disagree. You think so? Oh, Absolutely. This film is 100% Captain America is right. Almost at every turn. Once you get past uh, the airport, in the middle of the airport fight, everything is, mm -hmm. Iron Man is wrong. They should never have assigned the cords. Captain America is obviously right. Yeah, mm -hmm. in fact, Iron Man basically comes around to that. The only reason why they fight later is because his mom's name is also Martha. <laughs> I'm sorry, no, that, was a, that, was a different, that was a different thing. Different movie. Yeah, because... I was hoping it was going to play out, but then after I got to the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, wait, this is a Captain America movie. Mm -hmm. Of course he had to be right. And um, it started when Black Widow stops uh, Black Panther, Black Panther mm -hmm. from taking down Bucky and Cap so they can fly away. And then Iron Man has to go to Raph. He's like, oh, they did lock you all up. I have to help you. And you have to give me the information. I'm going to block those signals. Well, he wasn't surprised. He wasn't surprised that they were locked up. He knew that they were going to be locked up because they were criminals. He just was surprised that they locked him up in the raft that was supposed to house super criminals, which technically they're all super powered. They probably could be locked up in in a super powered prison. Yeah, it just to me, it was very clear that everyone flipped sides. Black Widow flipped. Black Panther flipped. Uh, Tony essentially is soft on the issue now. Um, yeah, but he still signed the accord, and at by the end of the, the and at the end of the movie, he's still working for the government. I agree, and they think it's wrong, and I think the movie is very tilted towards Captain America mm -hmm. is right and all. I don't know. I think if you if you poll a lot of other people, they'll also agree that there wasn't really a side that was heavy handed. One side uh, was the winner over the other. Really? Yeah. What, where did you come at it, Rodrigo? Uh, I agree with you, Zach. I think the. The movie basically says Tony Stark made this decision from an emotional place. And once you think about it, Captain America's right. Like, but Captain uh, America also made it from a very emotional place. He made all of his decisions from emotions. He made his decision to help Bucky from emotions, but he didn't make his decisions about the accord from emotions. He, he did because he went to uh, Peggy Carter's funeral where there was a very emotional speech by uh, uh, Sharon, Agent 13, who sure. basically was feeding him, uh, don't side in this accord, Tony, because people will stand up for what's right and don't stand up for bullies and all this stuff. So it was an emotional place where uh, Steve Rogers was making his decision not to sign the accords. And he made that decision in his mind after the speech was given at the funeral there's basically as far as i can remember one person who may who at the end of the movie says you know we actually did the right thing signing that accord and that was war machine mm -hmm. literally oh, yeah. everybody else at some point goes oh yeah this wasn't a good idea Tony Stark goes and apologizes to falcon and he's like hey uh so i mean you guys were right about this um Black Widow flips, and obviously every other character doesn't matter because they barely get any speaking lines, except for Black Panther, who also flips on it, even though he wasn't part of the Accord negotiations as such within the Avengers. Um, Vision is, you know, kind of takes himself out of the game. Like, everybody just kind of goes either really soft or completely flips on the Accord, basically saying 
Captain America. I mean, they never come out and say it. Yeah, out except loud. The, except at the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, we are at the Avengers compound with Tony Stark, with War Machine, and with Vision all sitting around there doing their thing. No, that's when of, that's when nope. that's when Tony that's when Stanley shows up with a thing for Tony Stank. And yep. when when uh, Tony is getting out of his car at the compound, there's a big Avengers logo on the building and he gets yep. out and he shakes his head. But that's not the actual end of the movie. The actual end of the movie is after all of that happens. Captain America goes and he rescues all his friends. And then and then Tony Stark puts the guys like, hey, Tony, somebody broke into our super prison and he puts the guy on hold. Yeah, I, I don't think um, Tony is, I think he's still working within the confines of what yep. he agreed to, mm-hmm. but yep. he definitely thinks uh, he made a wrong decision in doing it and is now... Well, but he's bound by it. No, I'm not, I'm oh, not sure, saying he's not sure. bound by it. I'm but, saying but he, that's does, different. he thought he did the that's wrong different. thing. We're not saying that Iron Man backs out on it, although he does, because legally he does, because he goes and helps Captain America. But we're not saying that he's not going to work within the framework. We're saying that the movie really plays it like they were right, because by the end of the movie, all those cool guys that we think are cool are basically on the side of Captain America, even if they're still working within the framework of the Accord. Besides Warhammer. I think Warhammer is... War Machine. Yeah, War Machine, sorry. Um, still thinks... And he's the resounding voice of it's yep. good. And I think he's probably trying to convince Tony that um, what they did was right. But I I mean, because I, I was really hoping they were going to play it as um, a real big tension of it. Because I've always... I felt like after this movie ended and reflecting on uh, like this... Uh, Ultron, Winter Soldier, even jumping into like Batman v Superman, there is like this weird anti-government vibe to all of these movies, where like the government is wrong and is playing you or is controlled. By well, some well, yeah, that's what that's what that the end of Winter Soldier. That's right, sure, but sure. like, but it seems like, and even in like uh, Batman v Superman, they're trying to do things weird. But not every like the superheroes are against the government. And all this stuff, and so I thought right, right. with this movie, they were really gonna hold this tension of um, you are these really big, powerful beings. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's. Yeah, why oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, I was gonna say, why should they be unchecked? Yeah, there's a there's a long, proud tradition, and it's interesting. It's interesting that it's brought us here, but there's a long, proud tradition of like the basically the military mm-hmm. and by extension the government being wrong about this stuff. And that comes from basically friendly alien movies where, you know, the, the military guys, the guy who's like, we can weaponize this or, or, or even either friendly alien movies where the military wants to kill the friendly alien or dangerous alien movies where the military wants to weaponize it. Like those guys. And, you know, it's usually some big, it's like the, um, the secretary of defense, right. Mm-hmm. Is basically the guy who's doing that no matter what. Yeah, too bad, like, uh, too bad Gary Shandling passed, right? Sure. I mean, that is, that the, to me, a lot of the time, that seems to be where it comes from, this, uh, this idea that um, no matter what, the government is wrong about what's happening because um, they're the guys with all the resources, right? Mm. So it's a lot more intense to uh, fight against the government that it is like at the beginning of that second Transformers movie where the Autobots are working with the government and they have all the guns and all the helicopters and all this other stuff. And it's like, well, what's the point? They're actually just harassing poor refugee Decepticons um, who may or may not be actually doing bad things. But I digress. What I'm getting at is, um, yeah, it's this like long proud tradition of uh, basically, the government is wrong, and weirdly, although I don't think that's the um, the angle that they're going for, it does create this anti-government, anti-establishment um, kind of uh, idea within these movies. Because there's no one within the governmental systems in this film that is like a good character. 
Because, like, well, I guess maybe Agent 13, but she is essentially working against her own department. Right. And then, um, what's the guy on the raft? General Ross. Yeah. Well, he's always hated superheroes. I mean, he's hated because of uh, the Hulk. He's always hated uh, people that have these superpowers. In fact, if you watch the was it the was it the Hulk or Incredible Hulk movie? I forget which one uh, where they actually tried to use the super soldier uh, serum to create to weaponize it. And that's why we ended up with um, uh, what's his name? Um, Crap. What was the big monster villains name in the Hulk movie? Abomination. Abomination. Yeah. That's why we had Abomination in that, because he was all dead set on weaponizing it. And uh, yes, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I I can never remember if they actually agree that those movies are canon or not. It's so weird because the in Avengers, when we talk to the Hulk, the Hulk or or Bruce Banner talks about his experiments and they do not match what happened in that movie. Right. So it is. But at the end of. Was it the end of the uh, Hulk movie where that had the uh, end scene where um, General Ross approaches approaches uh, Tony Stark or Tony Stark comes into the bar and they have that conversation? He's like, "I want to go ahead and adjo- join your Avengers program," and he's like, "Nope, you turned it down the first time, Stark." Yeah, I believe that was yeah one of them. Yeah, so there's some tyings in, but I mean, you're you're talking eleven movies here. Sure. Uh, there's going to be some things that we have to. We have to retcon or tweak or change or just kind of brush off, which is what this movie does a lot. And no matter what, it won't be as confusing as the X-Men universe. Right. Right. So the Black Panther wasn't the only new character introduced to the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe because Peter Parker Spider-Man makes his Marvel debut. Yeah, I thought he was really good. I mean, he was... Spider-Man and Ant-Man are the two highlights in this movie, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Spider-Man character. I was talking after the film, um, and I thought, like, we first got the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, mm-hmm. which, was, mm-hmm. which was which was nice. And then I felt like they upped the humor with the Andrew Garfield, kind of quick-witted Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But this felt like they even turned it up way more from Garfield. Yeah, super chatty. Yeah. Yeah. And and they really and I think they justified it enough because here's this nervous kid uh who's trying to make a big impression yeah. and so he's just running at the mouth uh which I thought was really good. But the the thing that I like about what they showed here in Spider-Man is he doesn't he doesn't live in a house, right? I mean in the first uh Toby Maguire movie he lives in a house mm-hmm. in the in the um uh, the second Andrew Garfield, he lives in a house. This one, he lives in a tiny apartment with his aunt and his yeah. bedroom is literally uh, two feet longer than his bed. Yeah. And I, I found that wonderful uh, for that. Um, yeah, but it also caused, of, it also brought up a lot of questions too. Yeah. He's actually the first Spider-Man actor that I've seen that actually sounds like he's from Queens. Yeah. And that was intentional. They intentionally yeah. tried to give him that Queens accent. Um, yes, they didn't, they got around an origin story, like they did it in like four minutes through these little tiny quips of him talking with Tony Stark and Stark pretty much just interrupting all the time. And you kind of get like, oh, there was an accident. I was bitten. I have these things. Mm-hmm. And, um, did he actually say, you know, I don't think he ever said Ben died. But he kept no. alluding to, like, if you have these powers and you don't use them, then yeah, then you, then you're at fault. He doesn't. Right. He never says with great power comes great responsibility. And I'm gonna guess that that was probably a some kind of point of contention at some point. Yeah. Uh, in the sharing of this, because Sony wants their movie to have that line in it, uh, and these other things. So I, I'm, it'll be interesting to see how this next Spider-Man movie comes out. Hopefully, it's not another origin story, because I don't think they need it. Is the next. Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming is the next movie. With this actor? With this actor. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently Tony Stark will be also in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Crossing Well, part of the sharing. Yeah. Let's make Spider-Man shared universe, so it's going to have so, to happen. Uh, this is also, I believe, the first Spider-Man out of those three that is using web shooters instead of... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, no, no, Garfield, no, Garfield, Garfield had, had... Spider-Man oh, he did? had web yeah. shooters, yep. Yeah, because he ordered them in and. Oh right. Yeah, use canisters. Yeah, he yeah he had that uh that polymer that like his dad made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, now I remember that. 
Uh, Rodrigo, so did you like the Spider-Man usage in this film? Yeah, I you know, there were things about <laughs> it that felt really tacked on. Um, but I really liked the actor's performance. I thought he was a great Spider-Man and the quips were good and the action stuff was good. Um, I guess it's absolutely necessary that the character is like CG 100% of the time because of the eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But I found that a little jarring because more so than, say, an Ant-Man where like he's wearing kind of like wearing armor and it or, you know, uh, War Machine and Iron Man when they're CG, it's not as big of a deal. But, you know, some a, a human in a skin tight outfit um, looks a lot. It, uh, to me, it was a lot more obvious when he wasn't CG. And there's this scene that scene when he like goes to stand up and he's like, nope, I'm done. And he puts his mask on. You can tell his body is CG, and it's kind of, you know it's kind of like weird and jarring. But that said, I did enjoy it. There was some other weird CG. I don't know if it popped out for you guys. Is at the end when the three of them are fighting, Winter Soldier, Cap, and uh, Iron Man are fighting, and they're punching each other, and Tony's down on his knees, and they're flinging the shield back and forth and hitting him over. That was like some of the worst CG, worse than the uh, opening fight from um, Age of Ultron that we complained about. Oh, it was just like, and, I, and at first I thought, well, maybe it's just the fact that I'm wearing these 3D glasses and they've rotoscoped it really bad, but it looks horrible and it looked like total oh, fakey, fakey CG stuff. You know, what was, you know what was truly awful in this movie is the shaky cam at the beginning. There's a scene uh, where yeah. Black Widow beats up some guys mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I contend, it might be that the frame rate was weird, but I contend that that was digital shaky cam. Like they shot it steady and then they added shaky cam in post because it just looks awful. They may have. I don't know so much about that, but I can tell you that on the 3D side, when I was watching it and that was the first thing that we're seeing in this movie, I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it through yeah, because I couldn't I couldn't tell what was going on because, you know, in um an interlaced video, how sometimes you see the, the scan lines, the interlaced lines splitting across. That's how it felt when I was watching yeah. that fight scene where it was just like splitting in half. And I was like, this looks really bad for 3D. And, and that's the reason I wanted to see this, to see an improvement over the years. But this is awful. And I was like, well, maybe if they up the frame rate to like 48 frames per second, like with what... Um, uh, they were doing with the Hobbit yeah. that maybe that would help solve that problem. But you know, this was not shot in 3d unlike the Hobbit. Uh, this is all post 3d. And so uh, it was just really bad. But then after that, it really settled down. The one of the worst things I thought with the 3d was in that opening scene as well, where captain gets like blown through a window or mm-hmm. something and falls down between mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. in his body. Just, yeah, ragdoll. Yeah, ragdoll like crazy. I think it happened a couple times. Yeah, yeah. In this film, and there was one time like a door got blown off or something, or it was when he uh, was like punched through a door. Right, door. right. Uh, that was not even close. Yeah, to yeah. In that scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I was like, once again, some of the smaller stuff they do in these big budget movies like ruin the taste of all the special effects because I felt like. Um, like the giant man uh, uh-huh. effects were really well, well done. And for seeing the first Ant-Man uh, effects, because I'm the film that um, uh, I thought those were really cool and watching him like boom and fly through all of Iron Man's armor and everything. Like yeah. that was really fun. Yeah. So, I mean, so I was really impressed with that airport scene in general. I thought, um, like that was a really well set up scene because that, at that point you've got the sides and they literally just take sides on this airport, right? And mm-hmm. so they've lined up and then they just like for some reason slowly walk at each other. It's like all of them can run incredibly fast. They could just start out but like no, what slow jog? It's like a, they slow clapped yeah. to start into this battle. This this whole movie is built around that sequence. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's that's their big payoff bit that they're hoping for. And so all the work and all the effort, you can tell, went into that. From the choreography to the stunts to the aerials mm-hmm. to the special effects, everything was specifically designed around that piece. Well, absolutely. And they even, um, from a technical aspect for uh, that scene, they got the um, IMAX, uh, what is it, the Ari, yeah, yeah, the the, Ari Alexa XT, mm-hmm. which is 
that there's like two of them. There's like there's like there's none of them. There's two of them that you can possibly get. Yeah, and they are the only IMAX the camera that IMAX rents out that is IMAX 2D digital. They have a 2D right. film. But this is the only 2D digital thing, mm-hmm. and um, so they shot that entire scene with that. They used. They hooked it up to a drone. They run it on shoulder rigs and steady cams. They run it through a bungee line through the scene. Mm-hmm. They were working this thing like crazy. And as I read that, which they announced that back over a year yeah. ago, back in yeah. 2015, um, I thought back on that scene. And um, the director of photography, Trent Oplock, said that since they were using this, it's a 6K mm-hmm. you know, image that they're doing. They didn't go any close-ups. They're doing all these me- medium-wise. And I started thinking about back on that scene as they were setting it up. And I remember that when they started doing those of like Captain and Iron Man and Black Widow specifically, I remember like they were so sharp and mm-hmm. that stuff was just like this milky, milky um, background on it. Like right, it was right. super crisp. Right. And then like that would have been an incredible scene to watch in IMAX. Mm-hmm. I think so. It was, I mean, it was, it's the highlight. And, and here's the, here's the thing where I start to have problems with this movie the best part of the movie was that fight scene mm-hmm. and more specifically the fight scene with Ant-Man and Spider-Man. Oh, you think so? Yeah. That, that, that was, that was your big one of those yeah. two. It's like of that, they were the highlights of that fight scene and of the movie. Mm. Um, what is there a specific fight inside the airport scene that you liked Rodrigo? Uh, yeah, I I really like the Spider-Man versus uh, Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier. I thought, you know, that's that was really cute. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, Spider-Man's like, oh, awesome, a robot arm, while simultaneously being able to, like, fight that robot arm. Yeah, he's, he's just, hold, you know, he's like just really holding strong. it. Yeah. He's just holding yeah. it with one hand is, like, nonchalant. Ah, cool, robot arm. Yep, Apparently, and then... It kind of, I think it kind of ends up as a draw. Like they end up kind of like blasting him out of the airport, right? And mm-hmm. but it, they just kind of like flop over in the mm-hmm. process. Um, and it ends with a cute scene or a little exchange between uh, Bucky and uh, Falcon, who are like Cap's old girlfriend and Cap's new girlfriend. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. What else? Oh, wait. Was in, you're talking about the Ant Man Spider Man stuff when Spider Man. He's talking about like, hey, you guys have seen that really old movie, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back, which was amazing because when Ant-Man goes all giant man, I thought, oh, well, yep. you just got to take him out like an at-at yeah, yeah. because that's the only way you're going to pull this off. Yeah. Did you guys did you guys catch the little like imperial light motif in the in the music there? Oh, no. Yeah, if you go back and watch it, there's like a distinct moment, I think, when it uh, it it mimics the the imperial march. Mm hmm. Very nice. Um, you know, speaking of that scene, in the rest of the fight choreography, I thought from like the blocking of the fight scenes was just incredible that they really n- understand how to use each character's powers in a really right. interesting way. Right. Yep. Uh, and even if it's just hand to hand. They have like Black Widow tumbling through people's like just face mm-hmm. holes and just smacking them like crazy. Mm-hmm. Or everyone just gets to use what is completely unique to them in such interesting ways throughout the film. And I thought, um, especially came apart in that airport scene. It's like you know how you can't like bring Hulk into these movies because right. Hulk just destroys everything. Right. I was like, they have to take Scarlet Witch out of these films because mm-hmm. she is just so incredibly powerful mm-hmm. that I don't know how anyone could ever stop her well, at this point. That, well, might not, that might not be that difficult because this whole time for this movie and actually kind of for the last movie that she was in where she was an integral part, I always kind of get this feeling that whoever's writing this movie doesn't actually want to write uh, The Scarlet Witch. It's just kind of like there. Yeah. And she does important things in the movie but then after that airport scene, she really just gets yeah, brushed she's gone. aside. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. gone. Um. Oh, I was just gonna say the choreography, and we're talking about sh- the shaky cam stuff. Uh, Rob didn't get to be on this episode because right. Jeremy would have recorded on that Thursday, right? And Rob would have been here, and so I wanted to n- put in what I know Rob's complaint with this movie would have been, okay. and it absolutely would have been how much the camera was moving around because he always mentions that in every mm-hmm. movie we talk about mm-hmm. and how much it was going on. Doesn't he get carsick? Do you know Rob or uh, 
Uh, no. Rob Rob does have uh, some things that make him sick in movies. Um, okay. If you guys have, uh, if you guys have, you guys ever seen Chowder? The yes, the, uh, yes. The TV show. I hate yeah, it. he hates that because the the characters are kind of like their clothes are kind of like this like pattern construction paper, and mm-hmm. when they move, the pattern doesn't like the pattern doesn't move along with them. It's yeah. like it's, it's like, like this cutout. plane. Yeah. yeah, it's like this plane that exists like behind them. So yeah, that makes him super sick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, so I can see why that would be problematic when you have all this motion and movement going on in a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So we know where the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going towards because, like, what was it three, two years, summers ago, they mm-hmm. plotted out until I think twenty thirty for some right. reason. And so far, the films. only the only movie so far that has been dropped from that schedule is the Inhumans movie. Yeah, oh, okay. everything, everything else is still on target. And um, how do you feel like this movie set up for the Infinity Wars? Because I believe that would be the next movie we're all yeah. the pals are part back. Part one and part two. Yeah. Because yeah. to me, when we get to the end of this film, it feels like knowing we are going towards Infinity Wars, that... Th- this the perceived split between Captain yeah. and Iron Man has to go away, like within the next film, right? Well, and you know the reason why they ended up being on opposite sides in the end of the movie is because Cap knew that Bucky had killed Tony's parents oh, and right. didn't tell him, and so he let all that rage out upon mm-hmm. uh, Cap and Bucky in, in the process. But at the end, in that letter that he and the phone that he had given Tony, he said, "Look." I'm sorry about this. Right. I know we're on different sides. I should have told you earlier. This is all my fault. I'm sorry. But if you ever need me, just call and I will be there. Which, so, was, which was a very which was a very tender moment between two long lost friends. Right. Yeah. So, so in a sense, when it comes time to, and hopefully, you know, this Captain America Civil War really should have just been called Avengers Civil War. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And and I'm afraid that because now Cap and Bucky and presumably some of the others who have been uh, broken out of the raft. Definite, definitely the others. I mean, it's it's strongly implied that they're all going to go hang out together now. Yeah. So if they're all hanging out in Wakanda, I have a feeling that Black <laughs> Panther is going to be Avengers colon Black Panther. Avengers Wakanda. Oh, uh, you yeah. think so? Yeah. I, that's, that's, the, that's the feeling I get. Now, yeah. Uh, Black Widow is on the lamb. She's just on her own. There's nothing that says she's in Wakanda, yeah. but certainly Scarlet Witch and Ant-Man and um, uh, Falcon okay. uh, should all be in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. So, Well, that would be interesting. Have they said that the Black Panther movie will be forward-moving or will it be they haven't you know, said, kind of origin But, you know, thing? really we kind of got Black Panther's origin in this movie. His father died. He was the... Well, no, I guess Black well, Panther was Black no, Panther. Because, yeah. Yep. And I guess it's in the comics where the king is Black Panther. Right, right. Um, in this movie, he just happens to be the king and Black Panther. Right. Right, and he mentions that, um, what is it, that the Black Panther is something that's passed down? Is that yeah. how it works? Yeah, from warrior yeah. to warrior. Okay. And in the comics, it's from king to king. Oh, right. okay. Um, yes, yeah, so that'll be interesting. That movie just announced that the director of Creed will be doing oh, really? a Black cool. Panther movie. And that was, did you ever see Creed? No, I, I never actually I seen see it, it, but everyone said it yeah. was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that uh, that's good for that film. Um, but then we still have the likes of Doctor Strange, which is coming out mm-hmm. in the fall. I'm looking forward to that. And then um, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy is uh-huh. still coming up, and they are They're they, shooting have, right now. Have they said they are going to be Infinity Warring it up? Or? They have not said that yet. Mm. But you would assume one would assume yeah. since it's going to be galactic think, at some point so, they'll have to be involved. So I think what this movie really sets up is that split. This is actually a way to do a, that infinity. And I'm not banging too much on this, but potentially this is a way to cut the cast in half. Yeah. Oh, say, yeah. The guys mm-hmm. that are going to be in infinity war are going to be Captain America, Falcon, uh, Scarlet, Witch, Ant-Man, um, and the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then leave all of the guys that are hanging out with Tony Stark out of it, or potentially the other way around. That'll be interesting, especially because it's the first two-parter, two, two-parter yeah. that Marvel's ever embarked on. Right. Um, which, getting back to a little camera nerdery, IMAX and Ari 
are essentially dubbing doubling the amount of Ari Alexias they're oh, really? creating. They have 30 right now. They're going to mm-hmm. make 40 more. Wow. And they're going to be using 12 of them specifically just to do Infinity Wars because they're shooting back-to-back. Um, and they're, like, working on creating new lenses for the cameras. Cool. And they, just, and they just expect them to, like, disintegrate from the stress. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. I mean, you burn through those cameras with a relatively new technology that, yeah, you could easily break these things uh, just in a stupid stunt. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean... Having a camera like that, how expensive one yeah. of those things would be. Yeah, I would yeah. be wearing like a white gloves holding that thing. <laughs> um, yeah, the Hollywood Reporter did an interesting article kind of summarizing a lot of that mm-hmm. um, stuff. Um, so and if, presumably if, Cinefix will have a whole issue. Oh, Their next quarterly issue will yeah. be all about this, will be a big, big part of that. Yeah, so. and the it's always like right uh, after we talk about it, the next yeah, yeah. American Cinematographer yep. magazine will come out and the big story in that is uh, uh, Civil War. Yeah, I, f- I forgot to look. I should have looked to see if it had already come I out. I was yet. on there this morning. Oh, okay. and they even, they, like, the digital issue isn't out yet. Oh, okay. So, okay. Uh, very sad news. Otherwise, I've been all up on that. Um, yeah, is there anything else? I mean, what was your overall reaction? Because you're a big fan yeah. of the Captain America franchise, right, right Stephen? Yep. Mm-hmm. What is like your overall take of Civil War? <sighs> That is, that is not bode well. No. When you start off with a big sign. So here are, my t- here are the top five. Yeah. Right? First Captain America movie, first Iron Man movie, second Captain America movie, Ant-Man, and then Civil War. Okay. So That's this still one, pretty good. And as far as top five goes, this is at the bottom of that list. It uh, is a... Yeah, it is a, it's like... It like beats every Thor. It's like top yes, half. it beats all the Thors and it beats, it beats all of the Guardians other. Of the Galaxy, right? Yes, it does. And a lot of people were mad because they're like, "How dare you, Stephen, say that you don't have Guardians of the Galaxy on the list?" Yeah. I find Ant Man more enjoyable and more rewatchable than the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, before Civil War came out, Guardians of the Galaxy would have been in that number five place. Mm. And I have a feeling, unfortunately, because the Spider Man movie will still be Sony, that if that Spider Man movie had been a Marvel MCU movie, it would have easily being taken the the next number five place. So that number five is is kind of in flux. So if you went to number six, it would be Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) This is a good movie, but it's not a great movie. Mm. Um, The problem is, and I know, hey, Steven, this is all make-believe stuff, right? (laughs) All these superpower stuff. You know, there's this this saying, uh, the bigger the lie, the more people you can, uh, will believe it, Mm -hmm. right? So in the case of here are these powerful beings that have, the, the ability to lift mountains and drop them on top of people and have these super cool technologies. That's a huge lie. But the problem is there's so many little things that don't make sense in this movie when you think logically that it really starts to fall apart. For example, Baron Zemo somehow dragged a giant EMP device up to his room <laughs> and then drug it back down and boxed it up and then shipped it off so that it could blow up this uh, this power station. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, that makes no sense. <laughs> Second thing is, it was established early on that the, the the house service came to deliver his breakfast in the morning. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, yes, I can smell it down the hall. Of course, yes, please come in. It was never shown that he ordered any of that breakfast. So we're assuming that this is a regular routine kind of thing. Why then does he have to make the call from Russia to say, hey, bring my breakfast up to my room so that she could discover the body? You could have just cut to her knocking on the door. Uh... Mr. Doctor, what's your face that you're impersonating? Uh, hello, hello. Open the door, well, discover the body. I, I guess and in fact, the to... argument could be that you could have cut that entire sequence out and just jumped to Tony, which is another another problem, where they're making the reveal of, oh my gosh, this is what we found in the hotel room of the doctor because it's already been established that something is weird with that doctor. Mm. Oh, this is what we found in his hotel room, dead body, mask, Bucky Barnes stuff. You could have skipped that whole part, cut about 10, 15 minutes out of this movie with that. When it comes to Tony Stark, Tony Stark, you got 36 hours to bring Captain America in. Okay, great. Uh, let me go to Brooklyn. Or mm-hmm. let me go to Queens. Let me let me pick up this kid. Let me outfit him and get back within 24 hours, right? He, uh, did, he did make the, the costume incredibly fast. Right. I never well, but then that goes into this other question of, and this is a kind of a parallel between BVS and, and uh, Civil War. Tony's been keeping tabs on everybody. So it would be just like um, Lex Luthor has a file on everybody. So he probably had already created the suit ahead of time, if you want to think in that way. It's disappointing that he didn't bring in Daredevil. He didn't bring in oh, sure. uh, uh, Iron Fist into this, which would have been 
I, I know why they brought Spider-Man in because they had to, but it could have been a nice bridge to bring in the television side of mm-hmm. the, of the universe into this and, and really kind of tie it together. Um, but then you're in Germany. There's so many problems. <laughs> you're in Germany. Uh, in that 24 hours, somehow black widow reaches out to Clint Barton, who had really no business being in this movie. He yeah. goes and rescues Scarlet Witch. They go in, they go to California. They pick up Ant-Man and then they all fly to Germany to help Captain America and Bucky out of the country. How did they get into the country without anybody knowing it? If they could get them into Germany without anyone knowing that half of the Avengers are there that didn't sign the accord, they could have easily smuggled Steve Rogers and Bucky out. So Steve Rogers, Bucky get on the Quinjet. They fly Mm -hmm. off the slowest Quinjet in all of history (laughs) because Tony Stark has a chance to take his friend to the hospital, have him get checked out for an MRI, have a conversation with, with black widow, fly to the raft and then in his Iron Man suit, fly to Siberia and get there moments after Steve Rogers and Bucky land. These are the little <laughs> things that logically they need to be in the movie, but it defies logic on the minuscule scale of, well, this doesn't make sense. This is weird time hop. And I know, yes, great. They're a giant Superman. There's a man that can chain himself into a giant man. And you're questioning the logic giant. of time. Yes, I am, because it's those little things, those little holes in the wall that ultimately show the problems with the wall. And so overall, Civil War was a good movie, not a great movie. Rodrigo, what are you where are you at with Civil War? Um, I I feel that Civil War is the Avengers movie that Age of Ultron wanted to be. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and that's that's really where it is. To say that I enjoyed it more than Batman versus Superman is is pointless to say. <laughs> the, you know, there's no contest or comparison because if you think of the worst Marvel movie, which may have been Age of Ultron, it was still more entertaining than Batman versus Superman. Um, yeah. But that said, on its own merits. You know, it's this circuitous, bloated thing that kind of sets us up for another event movie. Um, And within that framework, it does great. It introduces a bunch of characters. It lets us uh, check back on a bunch of other characters. um, And it gets us going to where we need to go for what is hopefully going to be a few smaller movies with smaller casts where, like, the plot doesn't need to be so strained and everything that Steven pointed out was right. This like this movie has a lot of emotional stuff, but the, but it has to be so contrived in order for that to be pulled off. It's like, how did Zemo know any of this stuff to begin with? <laughs> right, mm-hmm. right, Where right. to start? How could he know things that Tony Stark didn't about his parents? Right. And you know, you know? They, he said that millions upon millions of documents of Hydra documents had been released. Tony Stark's, team yeah. would have been able to sift through that before Zemo would have been able to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like in the end, it's this story about how one guy who is completely well motivated pits two friends against each other um, by showing that one of them was lying to the other at its core. That's good. It's a good movie. It's a solid premise. There's nothing wrong with it. But when you add all of the superhero stuff, all the espionage stuff and all this mm-hmm. other stuff, it really strains it. It does a really good job of kind of Jedi mind tricking you into thinking that it doesn't because when you go from scene to scene to scene to scene, it seems fine. But it's that fridge moment later when you're like, wait a minute, (laughs) you know, and there's a lot of those in this movie. So there was nothing wrong with it. It's not anywhere near my uh, top five uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe Mm. movies. Okay. Um, But it wasn't bad. It's I, again, it's a way better Avengers movie than definitely at least one of the movies that actually has Avengers on the title. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I would put, I, I'm not the biggest fan <clears throat> of the original Captain America. Like it's not my favorite. I, I've I actually have probably seen it almost as more as much as any of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, besides maybe the first Iron Man, but it's really not my favorite, but, um, Captain America Two and Civil War, I thought have both been better than both Avengers yeah. movies by far. Like I was 
I thought the first Avengers movie was fun. I didn't think it was great. Mm-hmm. The second one was fun in a way and was not I great. Wonder, I wonder. I mean, unfortunately, you can't watch Civil War without having a little bit of background on what happened in Age of Ultron, unfortunately. Um, my because, girlfriend, yeah. my girlfriend did, and she didn't seem bothered. Like mm. she didn't see Age of Ultron, and she didn't seem bothered by it. Okay. The only thing she was like, "Hey, that weird orange robot is voiced by the same guy who was Jarvis," and I'm like, "That literally is Jarvis." And yeah. she's like, yeah. "Really? What movie did that happen on?" <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. like, "Age of Ultron," and she's like, "Oh, I didn't want to see that one. That's the boring one." Yeah. <laughs> there are, you know, there are a couple of new characters that are introduced in Age mm-hmm. of Ultron that play some important roles in this movie. Yeah. It almost feels like you have to watch if you were wanting to to just watch Captain America movie, it would have to be Cap One, Cap Two, Age of Ultron, and then this movie to really kind of set up to get the whole thing to get the yeah. whole to get the whole arc. Well, you'd have I would say Cap One, s- Avengers, Cap Two, Age of Ultron. This because yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. That's I guess that's a big a- question. Is if you want to, if you, I mean. Can you get enough of the Marvel MCU just by watching those three or four movies? Or do you have to watch all 11 movies to really understand what's going on in the in that Marvel universe? Well, for this movie specifically, you don't, want, you don't have to watch any Thor movies. You don't have to watch no. any Thor, and you really don't have to watch any uh, Incredible Hulk. Right. Which, you know, that's up in the air anyway, sure. because oh, sure. the Hulk only ever shows up. And you could probably get away with, as as Zach said, you don't have to watch Ant-Man. Yeah. No. But I, but I think you have to watch Age of Ultron. Do you have to watch yeah. any of the Iron Man movies, though? I think you have to, well, I mean, you probably have to watch the first one at least. It. If you if but I mean, no, if, if, if you watch, if you watch the, the Avengers, if you, you have watch to watch Avengers, Iron Man, you don't have yep. to watch and that's, Iron Man. Yeah, and that's and that's why I was saying like you should watch like again if you're trying yeah. to what what is the minimum amount of movies that I have to watch right. <laughs> to get but everything it, to get but the it most depends. out of Civil War? I would say yeah. it's definitely both Captain America's um, Avengers and Age of Ultron because that the Avengers is going to give you that framework mm-hmm. for who everybody else mm-hmm. is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because yeah, because really, Thor gets pretty played out in in Avengers. His his whole thing is is explained. Yeah, um, Black Widow and Hawkeye are both introduced in the Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean Iron well, Man too. Yeah, Iron Man too. But for uh, Black Widow. yeah, but really, yeah, not so much. No. Um, but but that's if you want to take Captain America's side. What if you just want to watch the Iron Man? What if you just want to watch the stuff that encompasses Iron Man? Um, one two three of Iron Man. Avengers. No, I just think if you could, you could, if you could just watch, three. you could probably, could you do even need that? Could you get where Tony is coming from if you just watch Avengers, uh, Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, and then this? Could you get where his whole position is? You would, you would have to watch Iron Man three, Avengers, and Age of Ultron. You think? Yeah, because in Iron Man three is when he's all like PTSD and like mm. having like real oh, second yeah. thoughts about everything. Mm-hmm. So to get the current t- Tony Stark, the guy who's not just like brash and bombastic about everything, mm-hmm. you really need that Iron Man three. And I just didn't like because that I, movie. I, I think if because <laughs> I think if you actually throw in the first Iron Man, it gets weird because you're talking about earlier yep. how he um, was like. No to the government, and I am Iron Man, and this is my suit, and you can't have it. Um, he did. He his point in this film is he did the opposite. Like mm-hmm. he took all away all of his guns mm-hmm. from. Um, he stopped. He stopped manufacturing weapons because he saw what they did. But he never right. really talked about um, how he stuck it to the government and kept his suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So Zach, what is it? How does this movie fit overall for you? Do you like it? Not like it? Um, I I had a lot of fun in this film, mainly because Spider Man was in there. Yeah, I love Spider Man. Um, seeing Ant Man made me want to actually watch Ant Man, which I was kind of on the fence of, even mm-hmm. though I love Paul Rudd. It's a crazy caper movie. Yeah, which is cool. And um, I was really into this film as a Marvel movie. I enjoyed it. There's definitely some holes and. Um, the graphics are weird at times, but overall I would put it in the top half of the Marvel movies. I think I would put it above, 
I would rather watch this again than Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Or yeah. any of the Thor movies. Yeah. Or anything like that. Or any, actually any of the Iron Man movies. Yeah. The last time we did Ant-Man, uh, Mason was on the show mm-hmm. sharing his thoughts about it. And he really liked Ant-Man. Um, I asked him, you know, I said, I would like to take you to see this movie if you want to go. Yeah. And it was at the last minute. He's finally like, nah, I just really don't want to go see this movie. Oh, really? He goes, I want to spend time with you, Dad, but I just don't want to see this movie. But then he saw trailers for X-Men Apocalypse, and he's like, I think that's a movie I want to see. Really? Did I he... think it's just because there's more b- stuff blowing up, and there's not two and a half hours of thinking. Because oh. this movie is really kind of a thinking piece, yep. too. Oh, yep. sure. And, well, he... that's, and that's what I kind of like about the last, well, this Captain America yeah. and the last one, mm-hmm. is that there is this question of what is happening in the film is it good or is it bad and what kind of side you take on right which i don't feel like a lot of the other marvel movies even venture in towards Mm -hmm. sure and that they're they're keeping these kind of high profile think pieces of cinema for captain america right uh which makes them i think more enjoyable than sure uh, the rest Uh, of them again what marvel has always done well is to be able as a studio is to be able to essentialize what makes a character interesting and to even be able to evolve that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why Captain America two works as a spy thriller, Mm -hmm. whereas almost no superhero would work that way, either because it would make no sense as let's say the Hulk, right? Or it would be too easy. Like with Ant-Man, you know, it's like, it just has like, right. the, the, The correct level of everything. Um, you know, it's like if they made another Ant-Man movie, which I don't know if it's even planned because I don't know. Yeah, that it, there is another Ant-Man movie planned right, and it will have uh, Wasp in it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, chances are that movie is going to follow up on that heist genre that mm-hmm. Iron Man did or uh, Ant-Man did either by doing like a big Ocean's Eleven kind of thing and getting some other people involved or um, just you know, I don't know, make going like the fast and the furious with it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it makes me excited. Like I put this on one of my most anticipated films for the summer and I don't think it really disappointed. Yeah. I, would, I mean, comparing, you know, which one was I more excited about BVS or this one? And I really got to say that as much as I wanted to uh, see Batman versus Superman and, and I enjoyed that movie a lot. Um, this one was the one that I'm like, Oh yeah, this one is going to be super cool and super interesting. I want to see how they do it. And then, you know, it doesn't even matter. My anticipation did not grow anymore when they said Spider-Man was going to be in it. But that did factor in to me liking this movie a lot more. Oh, that's funny because I was uh, thinking every time I thought I remembered that Spider-Man was going to be in this film, I got way more excited for the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Just because I wanted, you know, to see Spider-Man in there. There was a Lego set. And the Lego sets that tie into the Marvel and DC movies mm-hmm. oftentimes are not accurate Right uh, to the movies, yeah. like uh, the Crossbones set has nothing to do with the what happened in the movie. Um, the um, there's a Black Panther jet one has nothing to do with the movie, right? But the big set that everybody was talking about was the one that had the giant Ant Man, right. the giant Ant Man figure, and we we reviewed that over at the YouTube channel Major Spoilers video. That is the only thing that the movie got right was the fact that. Yes, Ant-Man does grow up to a giant size in this movie. Which is immediately what I thought of when he went huge. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, hey, look, the Lego spoiler was right. Yeah, yeah, that was the only time that they were right on that. And that's and, and really, I don't know if it was a, I, I don't know if that would have been a spoiler or not. It's odd because, yeah. I don't know. Well, well, it was because it wasn't in any of the trailers. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, in any of the no. trailers. Um, and I, I tweeted this out before I came over here, but when I was reading the press release for um, the Russos choosing that special IMAX camera to use. Uh, Joe Russo said, we have it planned for, I guess, a special scene in the film where, um, like, it's a large scale scene. Oh, yeah, or, like, yeah. he mentioned scale yeah, yeah. and it being big. I'm like, oh, my God, they dropped the hint so far. That was even before Ant-Man was even out. So, like, oh, good job, Russo. Great to look back on press releases a year later. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yep. Um, so now it is your turn to give your opinions on Captain America Civil War. Head to Majorspoilers.com where you can find this podcast posting page. Give your thoughts all about Civil War, what you liked, what you didn't like, what did you think of floppy Captain America in the beginning. 
Um, put all those in the comments below, and we'll all read them and enjoy them there. While you're at Majorspoilers.com, when you're not enjoying the great content produced by all of the writers for the site, click on that Amazon.com link. You can go buy headphones, probably all of the Marvel movies besides this one on Blu-ray. So they yeah. look great on your giant TV, which yeah. you also bought from Amazon. Yeah. Uh, when you use that link at Major Spoilers, it's not going to cost you anything extra. Not a, not a, not a, not a dime. Not, a, not a, even a single penny. But a little bit of that money will come back to Major Spoilers to, hey, to keep great content coming into your ears week after week after week. And hopefully not having screw-ups like... <laughs> yeah, you know it happens. Yeah. It's all fine. Um, next week, I have no idea what we're doing, so stay tuned for more Zach on Film. This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.